The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Weekings are the champions. Episode 9 of the Weekly Harvest. I'm Brandon Crow, the voice of the Brandon Weekings Kings on Q Country Radio. And he's Chris Falco, the director of game day operations and your big voice inside the arena, the public address announcer. Uh, the Weekly Harvest, proudly presented by Mainline Motors in Verdon and Bertle, your king of trucks. Uh, it's worth the drive. They'll even fill your tank before it leaves the lot. Uh, great sales uh, crew over there. Uh, real good hockey fans as well. Uh, and uh, glad to have them on board as the sponsor of the Weekly Harvest. Episode 9 this week, a special guest, Bob Ridley. An absolute legend. You and I are both radio guys at heart. Uh, a story time with Bob. We could have went on for an hour. Uh, that guy has been at it since before any of this technology, any of the social media. He's back to the original days uh, in the early 70s and uh, a real great guest here this week. There's literally no one else broadcasting the WHL who has, has even close to the experience uh, of Bob Ridley. I mean, he was broadcasting Tigers before they were even in the WHL, as we're going to hear. It's an amazing storyteller. So, no, it was great to have Bob on. And he's closing in on 4,000 games, which is unbelievable to think about it. I mean, 4,000 games, he's called all but one Medicine Hat Tiger game in the history of the franchise. And he'll tell you why he missed that one game, and I can't wait. It's a great story. But uh, obviously, the Brandon Wheat Kings, a great story this weekend. They had four games in uh, six days, and they come back with three victories, six points. They now got 65 on the season. Uh, A big win Friday night uh, in uh, Brandon, uh, finishing off that two-game set with Saskatoon. Uh, A big victory there over the Blades, and uh, certainly uh, that 4-2 win on home ice. uh, A real good crowd. Uh, It was just a good night at the rink. A big two points for Brandon, and uh, really, again, helping them out in that East Division uh, playoff push. Last week on the podcast, we talked about how the fact that we thought that the games this week, or now last week, were probably the biggest points of the season, right? Because you're tied with Saskatoon going into the week. You didn't want to fall down to that wild card spot. You want to make the push for the home ice for that first or second position. And uh, came out flying on Wednesday. Really didn't even lose a, didn't lose much of a, of a shift on, on that game. No. And then uh, Friday came back and played another solid game. Unfortunately, didn't get uh, didn't get the win uh, in, uh, in PA the next day, but uh, then picked up another big win yesterday in Regina. So, no, all in all the 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 way the games went your weak kings taking those uh those uh, six points uh, out of the eight which is realistically what like what we what we said if they can take at least six that would probably be a home run certainly and when you look at the rest of it uh, around that those four team horse race right now prince albert and winnipeg tied at 69 points brandon at 65 that's four points back and saskatoon they took of course the two losses to brandon but did pick up two points against swift current so they're still within striking distance of brandon at 61 points but uh, every team now with 13 games left on the schedule nobody has a game in hand mm-hmm. as of today the day we record here on uh, this tuesday morning so uh, you know, looking forward to a busy weekend this weekend. We'll get to that in the second half of the podcast. But you know, this last stretch of hockey for Brandon has been real fun. You look back at the uh, you know the attendance uh, you know in the last couple of games as well. You know, you go back to that uh, Medicine Hat game. There was over four thousand in the building, uh, and then the game against Saskatoon, thirty six hundred people are really starting to catch this playoff buzz right now. And you go around town as well. You know, I stop in at Tim Hortons to get a coffee. People see the logo on my jacket, want to start talking hockey. It's just it feels like there's a different feel around town now that the playoffs are on the horizon. 
horizon. There is. And it's also that feeling of not just playoffs, but the potential of home ice. Because, and I mean, we, we hear this from our fans. It is disappointing when you know you, you play all season and the most important games of the year, the playoffs hit and you have to leave town. You're, you're not in your, your, your building. But that's the way it's been for as long as the, there's been a weaking franchise. I mean, going back to the 70s, the, the Winter Fair still took priority. Uh, it's disappointing when it happens, but it does happen. So to be in that playoff race, not just to make it, but to get possibly that home ice advantage, which is what our fans crave. I mean, that's that's what they want. Uh, so then we come on board and uh, and help cheer that possibly on a victory because we we talk to a lot about the about the big crowds. But um, put yourself in the position of the teenagers when they hit the ice. These aren't professional athletes who are you know been jaded by the big rinks and and this and that over the years. These are teenagers that when you put four thousand screaming fans behind them, it's going to give them some extra motivation. The flip side is. People on their team, they probably play up to that as well sometimes, right? Because they want to play into that. But uh, it's all part and parcel of just having a great time at the rink and really getting that home ice advantage because it does make a big difference with these kids. Now, I'm going to pose a question, and we're going to get a little uh, listener feedback as well here using the email address uh, qweeklyharvest at gmail.com, correct? Yes, letter Q, weeklyharvest at gmail.com. So here's the question I pose to you, the Wheat King fan. Do you want to win the East Division pennant? Now, yes, it looks nice. You get to hang a shiny red banner in the rafters for winning the East Division pennant. But if things were to stay the way they are, Brandon would have to play Calgary in the first round, a team that's kind of underachieved a little bit this year, but they've won three in a row. All of a sudden, you've got to go out to Calgary. You've got all that travel in the playoffs, and it kind of changes your, your mindset a little bit. So my question to you is, where do you want the Wheat Kings to, to finish? What is your ideal playoff scenario? For me, ideally, I'd love to see the team finish in the number two spot and play Winnipeg in that two versus three matchup, have the home ice advantage, and really build on that rivalry. And Perry and Pete and I have talked about it in our pregame shows. It'd be 19 games this year between the two teams if it went seven in the playoffs. And to me, it would be an unbelievable uh, battle between those two teams. So there's my question to you. Send us an email, comment on our social media. Where do you want the Wee Kings to finish, and who would you like to see them play in the first round of the playoffs? I think it'll be interesting to see what people say. That would be great. QWeeklyHarvest at gmail.com. Certainly uh, interesting to see how it all shakes out. But uh, we've got Bob Ridley. Uh, who's called a lot of playoff hockey for the Medicine Hat Tigers, including a couple of championships, a Memorial Cup in there as well. Uh, he stopped by. He was gracious enough to give us uh, about 15 minutes of his time here last week uh, on the way through. Brandon to Winnipeg, and uh, we'll throw it over to him now as the legend Bob Ridley uh, continues his circuit around in his 50th season in the Western Hockey League. Well, here we are sitting in the Wee King boardroom, myself and Brandon Crow, with a gentleman who probably has more stories and more history in the league than pretty much anyone, uh, Bob Ridley. Bob, how are you? I am just uh, just glad to be alive and cooking, <laughs> uh, for sure. No, it's all good. Uh, we are very happy to have you here. Um, so for people who aren't that familiar, Bob, you've now been with the Tigers for the entire 50 years of the team, not just as the voice of the Tigers, but you've done a lot of other jobs with the team over the year as well. You want to kind of give your quick little summary of uh, of your history? Well, actually, uh, in the media, you got to do a number of things just to keep your job, you know what I mean? So I thought, you know, I'll drive the bus, I'll do the play about play I'll do this and do that and you do have the thing then they can't fire me so <laughs> that's why I just uh, did all those things and uh, you know I have to have to admit it's been a, a wealth of experience as we move forward and met some wonderful people do you remember when you started were you working at the radio station already and then the Tigers came in or how did that whole beginning start for you? Uh, Brandon, actually I worked uh, for the radio station first and uh, I was doing the play-by-play for a senior team back then. That was the old uh, Joe Line Blades and the 
old arena burnt down. The old uh, arena gardens, uh, it was just kind of an older, old wooden structure. So uh, it burnt down, and uh, we were without uh, a year of hockey. And then while well, they're building the new building, and that was the old arena that we just moved out of and into another one. So consequently, I've uh, had the good fortunes of broadcasting in all three arenas uh, in Medicine Hat. So it just uh, gives you an idea of uh, how old I really am. <laughs> You've outlived two arenas. <laughs> <laughs> Working on a third. <laughs> so, Bob, there was a lot of years where you kind of you mentioned that you would drive the bus and you would do the broadcast. I mean, you were you know an integral part of getting the team, too, and then putting it on the air. Uh, how, how many seasons did you do that for? Uh, for 45 years, I did the play-by-play and also drove the bus. It just happened to fit. Like, you know, for a lot of guys, it doesn't work, but I've always enjoyed driving and been was brought up on a farm and uh, consequently used to heavy equipment and so on. So it just seemed to fit. I had to go anyway. So may as well make myself busy. And uh, back then, of course, as uh, Brandon knows, uh, not a lot of money in media. So it allowed me to make a few extra bucks, too. And uh, it uh, worked real good for me. I, I wouldn't recommend it. I recommend it for any everybody and anybody. But it, it certainly worked for me. So when the game would end, uh, now I'm assuming on the cold nights, you'd just leave the bus running parked somewhere or leave it inside where wherever the building's allowed, would you have to quickly wrap up your post-game shows to get to the bus? To oh, absolutely. Every time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I kept it simple, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> got out of there and got on the bus, warmed it up, and away we went. But no, normally, LA, if it's uh, 40 below weather or something like that, you just leave the bus going. You don't shut the thing off. You know, it's it's uh, their diesels and everything else. And they're a lot better nowadays than they were back then with the old iron lung. But uh, uh, diesels are still diesels. you got to keep them warmed up. Bob, I like asking these questions, especially for someone like yourself with so much history here. Uh, one, what is one of your first memories of the Brandon Wee Kings as an organization or just a game in specific? And two, what's one of your favorite memories? That was here in Brandon. Uh, actually, there's no real bad memories. It's been always a, a joy visiting Brandon, a little different environment, especially nowadays with this awesome building. Like, you've got a hotel right next to it. You could wander on in, in here for a week and never have to step outside. It's just fantastic. It's a really uh, state-of-the-art, and uh, you people are very fortunate to have a building like this. Uh, one of my first buildings is, uh, while they were building, West Oval Place here, the Keystone Center, as it was called way back then, uh, we had to play, I think it's two years, or for sure one year, out of the old Mannix rink. And that's basically over there where the restaurant bar is, over in that uh, area there. So we had to play out of there. And I remember the benches were only about four feet above of where I was doing the play-by-play. No way you'd uh, hold a sound mic over there. <laughs> All the language that you get out of that, it was just terrible. So therefore, you had to hold your microphone very close to the vest because uh, people would have thought it was broadcasting out of a bar so but it was quite an adventure and you call old school hockey that was old school hockey for sure now it's kind of like broadcasting in winnipeg yeah. this year. <laughs> in winnipeg now you're right over it's there. not that bad really it kind of brings back a lot of old memories yeah, i love yeah. that old school that. hockey in winnipeg that's all you Absolutely. told me a story uh, about uh, you know back in the day now i believe the town was maybe Minidosa. That the Tigers and Wee Kings, There was something wrong at the rink. Is that correct? You had to play a game in. Yeah, Minidosa? we had to bring uh, play one game out of Minnesota because uh, for some the the rink plant went down here. I just forget what it was, but uh, we had to play one game out of Minnesota. It was at the 
far end of the rink. I don't, they probably since built a, a no, new. I think it's still, it's it's still, still there. Well, anyway, arena, yeah. there was at the far end of the rink. There was a a window that you'd put up, and of course you'd be broadcasting away, trying to figure out uh, it off from one end to the next. You couldn't see through the rafters, so you're down on on one knee and so on. And one time, I knocked the the window down and knocked the little piece of wood that held the window open. Came down to my head, knocked me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Consequently, I probably missed uh, five or six minutes because I was out cold. Oh. <laughs> so, so consequently, uh, I got through that game and never went back. Old-time hockey, not just for the players on oh, the ice, wow. but it's dangerous there. Uh, you know, side story, Minnedosa now in that old arena, they have this massive LED screen on the one side. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was the same company who did our new uh, Jumbotron. They worked a deal that Minnedosa got it. But it's kind of funny, the old rink, there's this massive, massive like digital <laughs> LED screen. But so they just can't classic. afford a new I think they're trying to build a new one, actually. I think they've had some raffles trying to save There's been a lot of upgrades to that arena over the years, too. I'm I sure, thought yeah. they would have done that by now, but uh, obviously I should go back to that dense cover. <laughs> yeah, still it's still up there. <laughs> There's still some Bob yeah. DNA on the windows. Uh, I, the other story I wanted to ask you about. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you're closing in on 4,000 games. This is your 50th year. Now, you've only missed one game. Is that correct? And that you blame on someone else, correct? Yeah, my boss. Like, it was interesting. Uh, we were the, uh, back in 1973, the Tigers had a great uh, team that year. And of course, we went to the Memorial Cup and, uh, and won a league championship and just had a, an outstanding group of players. But, uh, my boss, his wife, uh, was curling for the, uh, uh, the, uh, Alberta, uh, women's curling team. Of course, had to have somebody up there to cover it. You know, that was in Saskatoon at the time. So I missed, uh, one Saturday night game. Uh, because I was up in Saskatoon covering women's curling, so you know, and I, you know, uh, I've been mad at him ever since. Uh, well, that was yes, so. the Iron Man streak. That'd <laughs> yeah, be like Cal Ripken missing something to go and watch his wife at the YMCA go through a workout. Like it just unbelievable way. To I mean, at the the time, it didn't. Uh, what what the heck? You know, it's my boss, so I got to do what I got to right. do. But but now, when I think back on, well, what an awful thing to do to me. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, looking back, probably didn't know it was being this kind of history, though. Uh, So, like, with you being in Medicine Hat for so long, Bob, I'm sure you've had other opportunities or the desires to move on. Is there something about the Tigers organization that you've been able to stay there for for this long? Well, number one, it's it's about the city as well. City's just treated me great. It's a small town, much like Brandon and so on. And got that atmosphere, a small town atmosphere from being from a farm, uh, had the uh, country heritage, you might say, and really enjoyed a small. Uh, town. I know I, I did get an opportunity once uh, with the New York Islanders and Bill Torrey at that time, his general manager, came out and interviewed me and everything else. And when he left, I says, boy, I hope he doesn't offer me a job. You know, because I don't really want to go. Like, when I first came to Medicine Hat, I was only going to be there for, oh, something like uh, 30 days or, you know, because had aspirations of moving on. I was a rock and roll disc jockey and everything else. I was going to tear up Western Canada. I was going to go to Calgary and had all these big plans. But uh, the longer I stayed in Medicine Hat, the more I realized uh, what a great group of people Medicine Hat uh, is made up of, and I just wanted to uh, be a part of that, and uh, I certainly have not been disappointed. No, I know I get a lot of questions. I mean, I'm only in my fourth year, and I think I've done 200 and some games. i got a long ways to go to reach Bob Ridley status, but you've got a couple of kids as well. Did you ever have any funny stories about, um, like, 
did your wife ever go into labor in the season, or did you have any uh, birthdays that fell in the middle of the year and you had to toss up whether you went to a Tiger game or to a birthday party or anything along those lines? No, I was very fortunate that way. Our timing was perfect. So every time we had uh, our kids, well, uh, you know, I was on the opposition, you might say. One thing was kind of funny, though. I thought, well... You know, I needed a color man one night, and uh, my son was about 16, and uh, just a, a great young man, but uh, he's uh, now a dentist up there in Edmonton, but I thought, well, I'll bring him in as my color guy. So I brought him in as my color man while he proceeded to go on the air and bash the general manager of the Medicine Hat Tigers, <laughs> Deli- Dennis Polonich at that time. I don't know if you remember him, but he bashed uh, Dennis for making a stupid trade and everything else, and you know, I said, no, you know, give him this one, uh, the, the cut sign and everything else, you know, for God's sakes, Bob, you know, and once I got off the air, I said, you know, you just can't say stuff like that, you know. <laughs> so consequently, uh, that, the, that, that was the last time you ever did color for me. <laughs> darn kids anyway, always oh, try yeah. to get you into trouble. They say the darnest thing. Can't trust them. <laughs> uh, all right, Bob, I'll put you on the spot here. Who is your favorite tiger to watch? Tom Isaac. Tom Isaac. Without question, I know some old fans. So certainly, watched him play here in uh, in uh, Brandon. He was just, uh, I don't know, he just had it all. You know, like there's some players that are great skaters, some players great stick handlers, and some players got great cal- uh, talent and uh, a lot of character and so on. But Tom Isaac had it all. He was just one of the fantastic uh, as an individual but also as a talent and so on one of the best that ever came through the western hockey league brandon was in medicine hat when they retired his number was it last year two years Uh, ago two years ago yeah uh, what a tribute yeah the the tigers did a great job his daughter uh was out there as the banner dropped the crowd it was that was a great night and i'll be honest with you being as young as i am I didn't know much about Tom Lysiak, and Don McGilvery had said to me before the game, he said, you need to go on the internet, do some research, and figure yeah. out how good he actually was, and, and I was blown away by it, and uh, that was a, a great ceremony. I think that's the only Jersey retirement ceremony I've seen, and ever since then, I've had a whole new respect for, for Tom Lysiak and what he did with the Tigers. Yeah, he was a, he was a franchise player, no doubt, and he was teamed up with uh, Tom, or at least uh, Landy McDonald, so, and they, they were on a combination together, and Boyd Anderson was the other member of that line, and uh, you can tell from that uh, talent uh, what kind of a combination it was. It was fantastic. Now, the flip side, how about the Wheat Kings? Is there a Wheat King player over this entire history that you've seen that just kind of stands out you remember? Uh, there's been a lot of them. I remember uh, the uh, we had Laurie Boschman. He was uh, just a fantastic player uh, during his day. Uh, Brad McCrimmon. He was one of the greatest defensemen all, of all time here on the Western Hockey League. Uh, bless his soul. And uh, uh, there's just been so many of them. So, like I said, Laurie Boschman was one of them. Uh, 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 Prop was another one that was uh, an outstanding talent. And uh, the list goes on. These old, older franchises have a, a haystack full of players that, uh, you know, led the way. And, and, you know, I think back on them and say, boy, you know, fans that didn't see these guys play certainly missed a lot because – they were great players on the day, and uh, when you think of them and uh, look back on them, they were great players, and they could could have played at any, any era, this era, back in the 70s or whatever. wherever. So, you know, those are just some of them. i got to ask, obviously back in when you started in the, in the early 70s and even before that when you got into radio, everything was a little different. You had your, your Canadian press wire. You had, uh, you know, these big recording devices and microphones to now where you can pretty much do everything on your cell phone, your computer. 
Would you rather go back to the technology from when you started because it was more simple, or do you like having all the gadgets and everything now? Well, I like to have a few bells and whistles, but sometimes it gets a, it gets a little bit more complicated for an old man, uh, old guy like me. So I'd much rather have it simpler, but I do like these uh, new things when they work. You know, sometimes they don't work, so so they kind of go out on you at the, the wrong time and so on. But, no, it's good to have all that technology, and you can do more with it. Uh, you can your broadcast certainly sounds a lot better with it and so on and uh so basically i'd have to say no we're we're better off with the technology for sure last couple quick questions favorite building you've ever seen the tigers play in out of all the historical buildings as well included i think our old barn back in medicine at the old old arena and uh it was just uh they didn't know what they're doing at the time but they built a good one as far as sidelines and everything else were concerned. Uh, they threw it up in a hurry. They had to have the, the building in place uh, within a year, and they did an outstanding job. And uh, uh, to do a play-by-play, you're kind of out over the ice a little bit, and uh, perfect sidelines. You weren't too high, weren't too low. And uh, that particular building, probably one of the best. Another good one is Spokane. Spokane's oh, yeah. a very good building as well, too. I mean, for sidelines and so on. And you don't have to move your head off. All that much, you just sit there and just watch everything develop, and I think Spokane. But uh, the old arena in Medicine Hat, and I might be biased, but uh, to me, that was still my favorite rink. The worst part about Spokane is that the closest washroom's about 14 miles away from the press box, so you you got to time your bathroom breaks you're, you're like well. You're like me. It's a washroom thing now, isn't it? <laughs> it's all about the closest uh, washroom. Bob, i got to ask this. You've been at it a long time. Is there an end in sight? Is there a retirement plan in sight, or or what's your what's your next couple of years uh, hold? I'm not sure, Brad. What's what, I just take it one year at a time, you know. And if my health holds and uh, I'm good to go for another year or two, I'll try to keep trucking along. But yeah, there's going to be a, an insight. I know that uh, you can't uh, do something like this forever and just keep moving abo- uh, around. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, working with all the young people, including yourself and the players and so on, and all the different people here in the Western Hockey League, uh, the variety of coaches and everything else, it keeps you young, keeps you motivated, keeps you wanting to go for as long as you can. So I, I have no timeline as to when it's going to end, but um, I know, unfortunately, it's going to come to an end sometime. But you're enjoying it still. Oh, I'm still enjoying it. I love being around the kids. And like I said, they come up with something new and crazy every day. And you just can't help but giggle and laugh and so on. And I can sit down with any coach here in the Western Hockey League, Dave Lowry earlier, Don McGillivray earlier today, and just had a great chat with them as if they're you're sitting in a bar or something. It's it's great. The camaraderie here in the Western Hockey League doesn't matter what play player you're talking to or coach you're talking to it's fantastic well bob this was awesome uh and uh, we want to wish you the best of luck not against brandon moving forward uh, but uh, hopefully a, a <laughs> good luck against for, everyone yeah. else though good <laughs> luck really, against really everyone good. but brandon and i appreciate that too. guys appreciate it i'm going to, not going to start a war right now but uh, go tigers go <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot bob the legendary Bob Ridley on the Weekly Harvest podcast. Again, thanks to Bob and uh, and good luck to him for the rest of the season and uh, moving forward. Now, coming up for your Brandon Wheat Kings, a very busy weekend on the schedule. Quickly before we get into that, though, because there's a couple big promos on the way. We talked a lot about the game on on Friday, but got to give a shout out to Guild Insurance and HMS Insurance. Did a fantastic job once again as the sponsor of the Player Card Giveaway Night. Uh, always a very popular night with the kids and the collectors, and uh, once again, they did a great job this year. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, this is Uh-oh. now four years in a row where I have 
have not gotten a mm-hmm. my own player card. Ah. I, I don't know who I have to pay off to get one, but that giant six foot dog always gets a player card. So, so you're telling me we got to boot Willie and get Crow on there, <laughs> or just make a bigger player card package? I mean, just got to add one. I think we could have some fun with it. I could have a nice photo shoot. I okay. think it'd be great. Okay, maybe for next year. Yeah, put, put it gonna, on the list. We're gonna put it on the list. <laughs> put it on the list. Uh, so up next for this weekend, a couple of big games for your random week kings. Not just points wise, but for promo wise. Winnipeg Blue Bomber Night is on Friday, so your week kings wearing the special Blue Bomber inspired jerseys. Which uh, have you seen them in the I office did. yet this week? That blue, it, it pops off. I just I love didn't. It. I didn't know what to expect. Like I've seen a lot of goofy jerseys. I know the the Prince Albert Raiders did a Saskatchewan Rush lacrosse style jersey. They did a mm-hmm. Rider similar jersey too. Had no idea what to expect. Love it. The collaboration of the two logos with the W and the BWK, the blue, they're going to be real sharp. People are going to like them. Yeah, so just people people know, though, so these jerseys you will not be able to buy at the game, unlike other jersey auctions. So this one's for Westman Dreams for Kids, but Westman Dreams for Kids, they've already sold all the jerseys. So they've pre-sold to businesses, to individuals. So what's going to happen is after the game, they're actually going to come down to the bench and get the jersey off the player's back. So they're all pre-sold. Uh, great fundraiser, though, still for Westman Dreams for Kids. we got a couple of Winnipeg Blue Bombers there that night. The Great Cup's going to be there for the special ceremonial puck drop. Um, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun on Friday night for Bomber fans. Then Saturday, okay, so for the families, if you got kids, if they like Paw Patrol, it's uh, confirmed that we got Chase, Sky, Marshall, and Rubble. So yeah, but who's f- taking care of the galaxy? <laughs> We got the four. We got the four main uh, pups. The Paw Patrol. They're going to be there. We got the Paw Patrol theme bouncy houses. Uh, all thanks to Jumperoo Brandon. On top of that, it's also the five dollar kids tickets, five dollar kids concession specials. And if you buy your ticket at the Keystone Center box office, you get that voucher for the free Happy Meal to McDonald's. So it's like getting a free Happy Meal or a free ticket to the game. The way you look at it, it's a great deal, great promotion. Uh, trying to center it around, bringing the families out, getting the kids out for the Saturday. So with the uh, the discounted tickets and Paw Patrol going to be there. That'll be a big one for the families on Saturday. It's a 3-3 three and three weekend for Brandon, and it's going to be another difficult stretch here for the Weekings when it comes to travel. They've got the two games at home Friday, Saturday, an afternoon game on Sunday in Regina, then they've got a trip through Swift Current and then back through Alberta Wednesday, Friday, Saturday before finishing off on the road in Prince Albert the following week. Luckily, the month of March, five of seven of those games are on home ice. So the the tough stretch of you know schedule here for Brandon kind of winds down, uh, but certainly a great opportunity here. Uh, I know there hasn't been a lot of home games in the February uh, stretch of the calendar, so a couple of big nights, kind of pick and choose or come to both. Uh, great events going on both nights, especially if you're a Bomber fan for Friday night. And totally, and all those you know events happening off ice, it's going to be great, but the on-ice product, I mean, we're talking about this, this massive playoff uh, push right now. Taking on the Edmonton Oil Kings on Friday, the central leading Edmonton Oil Kings. So there's a tough matchup. And then it's PA here on Saturday, the team that the Weekings are, you know, chasing down the East Division. So, uh, on ice, uh, crucial time of the year, massive points on the line and off ice. Both games going to have a, a lot going on for the fans. So, uh, be a great couple of games to come out and cheer on. Yeah, certainly we'll have, uh, all of that uh, for you on Q Country Radio this weekend as well. If you can't make it to the rink and again, Keystone Center box office or online to get your tickets. So uh, we'll turn it over to our prospect of the week this week and we'll head out to Lethbridge the Windy City uh, where Rylan Roarsma who uh, 15 years old he's in his first season with the uh, Lethbridge Midget Hurricanes of course he was a a first round pick uh, by Brandon 16th overall this year and so far in 29 games this year 9 goals 13 assists 22 points Uh, last year with the Bantam Lethbridge Golden Hawks he finished with 44 points Uh, he's a guy that uh, is going to be a a real strong candidate to make this team again uh, next year he just uh, has that kind of water beetle type 
Uh, that's the way Pete describes him anyway, just the way he buzzes around. He's not overly big. He skates real well. He's a smart kid. Probably won't put up a ton of offensive numbers, but is a, a real smart player. Uh, and just another one in a long list of potential prospects here that could crack the roster as a 16-year-old next year. Well, I remember talking to one of the scouts. I can't remember which one it was, but talking to one of the scouts back in the fall about Ryland, and he brought up the stat that uh, I'd like to look back here to pull up the numbers, but it, it, sure enough, it was when he was playing in Bantam, uh, he doubled from year one to year two, and he said he's that kind of player. He's just he's progressed. Progressing at, at his own pace, and he said this kid's only going to get better each year. Like he, he's he's out outpacing like the the kids who are his comparables on on his team. So excited to see what he's going to do here in the next season or two. To go from twenty two to forty four points from his first to second year Triple A Bantam yeah. certainly bodes well uh, as he you know potentially gets another year of midget uh, if he doesn't make this brand of Week King team uh, as a sixteen year old next year. So Rylan Rorsma, uh, a Lethbridge Triple A midget Hurricane would love to trade that Hurricane sweater in for a Week King sweater next year. Uh, he is our prospect of the week uh this week and uh, you know as we uh turn it ahead we want to we want to thank everyone for tuning in and downloading and clicking and subscribing uh you know if you are following along on the uh you know the apple version of the podcast make sure you click subscribe uh, that helps us track uh, you know how many people are actually listening uh and that way it automatically pops up on your phone every week when we uh, put it out there as well uh, i know there's people that listen on spotify there's people that listen on the google version of the podcast as well people that listen online at q country on the website as well uh, it's been great nine weeks so we're hoping to provide you with a lot more content, especially right into the playoffs. But uh, it's been fun. And uh, if there is any feedback, again, we've got that website. You can reach out to us on social media as well. The girls uh, that take care of our social media do a great job. And uh, anytime, reach out, suggestions, comments, uh, ideas for potential guests. Uh, we're always open to, to ideas, except criticism. We won't take that. <laughs> when, when we were sitting down talking about this, too, in the first nine weeks, the fact that we've had all of our major hockey ops with the organization, we've convinced them to come on. Uh, we've had Kelly McCrimmon on. we got Bob McKenzie. Like all these little surprise big guests that we've had, this has been a wild nine weeks. So looking forward to what this is going to shape up to be in the next few. But we'd love to hear your feedback. Again, the email, it's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. And once again, a big thanks to uh, Mainline Motors in Verdon and Bertle. They are a proud sponsor of the Weekly Harvest, where they make buying new or new-to-you vehicles fun. Every week, Tuesday, we'll drop another episode, Week 10, coming up uh, on the Weekly Harvest. You can also watch it on WCG TV as well. Thanks for sticking with us this week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you at the uh, rink this weekend. Big doubleheader. Hopefully we'll see you there, and if not, we'll talk to you right here next week. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Week Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Week Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.